We have a new enemy, the young rebel who destroyed the Death Star. I have no doubt that this boy is the son of Anakin Skywalker. Search your feelings, you know it to be faking Star Wars Radio. That's right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a great new episode of Faking Star Wars Radio, the official podcast of FakingStarWars.net. This week, we discuss the Star Wars Special Editions and their additions to their Special Editions in the Star Wars Editions. And with me today is my wonderful friend and co-host, Teeb Rontour. And I would like to announce that Teeb has, in honor of the Special Editions, got his head cut off and has got a new head sewn on for this edition. I would like to say, Teeb, that your new head is looking very, very dramatic and uh, adds a lot to your overall corporal experience. Well, I am feeling very special about the special episode, about the special episodes, and so I, I figured that a new uh, you know, head would be the best way to show my actually complete hatred and detestation of the special episodes, but we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll get into that. Well, stay tuned because we also have uh, the return after a long hiatus of Duel of the Fakes. So, you know, even though you're not so keen on the topic, you do get to play Duel of the Fakes for the first time since we completed our nine-part Twi'lek Zone miniseries. This is true. I am very excited about Duel of the Fakes. It is my favorite segment for sure. And I have another special announcement. This is really big. This is one of the biggest uh, interviews that we've ever landed, possibly the biggest. On the show today um, is none other than Mark Austin, who played Boba Fett in the special edition of Star Wars A New Hope. We, I have to be honest, we recorded this interview a few weeks ago, um, but it's all ready to go uh, for this episode. Very excited about that news. It's going to be great. So we got a lot of fun surprises. This is going to be, uh, this is the beginning of season three, 2020, starting things off with a bang. So, um, well, team, I just want to plug real quick. Did you get a chance to listen to any of the Mando Roundup uh, podcast that we made with Gemma the Hutt? I did. I listened to all of them. Uh, as I've stated before, anybody at, at work that I encounter that has not seen it, I immediately tase them until they are, you know, um, quivering mess on the ground and i tell them to listen to the mando roundup or this is going to happen again uh, <laughs> and then i go on to describe my weapon of choice to destroy them uh, at great length uh i really love the bit about the qvc uh about how uh uh moff uh Gideon. Gideon. Yeah, what a weird name. Anyway, uh, that Moff Gideon should be on QVC selling the E-Web canon. That was great. <laughs> cool. Glad <laughs> yeah, you liked that. Yeah, you guys that. have some good stuff. Um, yeah. Well, it, it was a fun fun show to do, and uh, you know we really love anytime we can get Gemma the Hutt on the show. Um, but also, uh, I just want to make a comment about your T-shirt that you're wearing today um, here yes. in the studio. It's a lovely little article. Um, your sartorial... Uh, expertise knows no limits, Teeb. This is true. Uh, it actually says, Bubble Freak is my oldest friend. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, John Lennon is, I guess, technically my oldest friend then? I don't know. It's a long story. Yes. And where'd you get that t-shirt there, Teeb? I actually got this from bit.ly forward slash FSW merch. You can also find it on fakingstarwars.net. Just go to shop. Duo. Of the fakes. 
Well, Teeb, since it's kind of your not birthday today, you know, every day is your not birthday, we have a big present for you. Wooly Bobo wrote a special edition of Duel of the Fakes just for you to bring in the new year. I feel... I... I need a minute. Well, if you need some buckets to hold your tears in, I'm sure that uh, Ellen DeGeneres or Kathleen Kennedy have some mugs that say uh, the tears of fanboys right on it for you. So, I think I'll just borrow one from the Jedi Guardian mm. uh, 97 Bravo. I'm sure he'll let me borrow one. I'm yes. good. I got, I'm good. I got my bearing back. All right. I'm good. Well, it's Thank our, you very much, Willie Bobo. Well, it's time for a Duel of the Fakes special edition extravaganza. We've taken our usual duel of the fakes, then recut it and inserted all kinds of gratuitous things into it so it can be extra special. Eat your heart out, Lucas. Now, remember, Teeb, it has been a while since we've played duel of the fakes, so here's a quick refresher on the rules. I'm going to read you three Star Wars news stories or little pieces of tasty trivia, all of which should be faker than the baby Yoda mug I picked up on Etsy. Got it. However, hidden among the stories is one piece of honest-to-goodness True reporting. Ooh. Exactly. The stuff we hate. So your job is to smoke out the fake fake. I'll be sure to shoot first. Great. Here we go. First up, the Han Solo Greedo scene set in the cantina in the original Star Wars has changed more times than I can remember. But the very latest changes requested by George Lucas involved a close-up shot of Greedo without subtitles and a re-rendering of the visual effects during the scene. Of course, what Greedo says is what threw people for a loop. The Rodian bounty hunter utters the word McClunky, which left many fans scratching their heads. Fortunately, none other than Pablo Hidalgo set the record straight on Twitter. According to Hidalgo, McClunky is a mon calamari term that translates roughly to, this is your last breath. Not everyone was satisfied, though, as original Greedo actor Paul Blake admitted to still being completely confused by McClunky. To that, I say, Ituta! This one may be tricky, as I'm not really up on my Mon Calamari, so go ahead and hit me with the next story. Okay, the next special edition-inspired story is all about Jeremy Bullock. According to the performer best known for playing Boba Fett, in the original Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, he purposefully asked to not have his name listed in the credits of both films because he was scared of being typecast as a villain for the rest of his career. Bullock's name was finally added to the credits of both films in the 1997 release of these special editions. Aha. So it's kind of like how I don't like being credited as my real name for fear of being typecast as pure eye candy. Yes, and it's also why I always credit you for working on the podcast to try to ruin your career forever. That's the, you're a giver. Yes. Well, on to our third extra special special edition story, Extra Tasty Crispy, that had better be fake. Hit me. McClunky! Before Yub Nub was replaced with an instrumental titled Victory Celebration in the special edition of Return of the Jedi, a version of the track actually charted on the Billboard Hot 100. Music producer Miko, whose 1977 disco album Star Wars and Other Galactic Funk produced the number one hit Star Wars theme Cantina Band, tried to recapture that magic with his take on Yub Nub, which is Ewokese for freedom. Miko's version managed to reach 60 on the Hot 100, 
despite having a rapping Ewok spit hot fire at the 1 minute 26 second mark? Uh, Ewoks. I really wasn't prepared for an Ewoks question, so I'm going to have to dig deep for this one. Well, don't hurt yourself. Here's a recap of all three. Which one of these is the fake fake? You've got McClunky being Mon Calamari for This Will Be the End of You, per Pablo Hidalgo on Twitter. Jeremy Bullock, number two, not wanting to be credited for fear of being typecast as a villainous bounty hunter. And you've got the special edition of Yubnub somehow reaching number 60 on the Billboard Hot 100 thanks to Miko and his rapping Ewok. Well, because it's a special edition, can you go ahead uh, and eliminate one right off the bat for me? Ooh, I think that's a little bit too generous. This is 2020. I mean, we've really upped the ante. I think uh, <laughs> I think the trick now is going to be to add the correct answer after you've already made your selection. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> so that way you have so, absolutely no chance of getting it right. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, okay, Jeremy Bullock didn't want to – he was the actor who played who? Boba Fett. So he was the original Boba Fett. The original Boba Fett in Empire and Jedi. Not our guy, Mark Austin. Not Mark. Nope. Unfortunately, he was too young, I believe, to be cast in those early days. So Jeremy Bullock didn't want to be listed as Boba Fett. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call uh, McClunky on that one. I, I, okay. I think if I was in Empire Strikes Back, I'd want people to know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never heard of Jeremy Bullock ever so i don't think it hurt his career or helped his career and and it's hard to hurt or help your career if you're behind a mask yes uh you should know all about that that um, is true so i'm gonna eliminate that one right off the bat all right well to give you a little extra special help i am going to tell you right off the bat that number one is a fake story um it actually is not uh is not from uh, Mon Calamari. It's actually a Hatties term that translates to this will be the end of you. The phrase was actually used uh, by the pod racer Sebulba in The Phantom Menace, and it was Brian Young, not Pablo Hidalgo, who made us aware of that fact. So would you like to stay with your second guess there uh, about Jeremy Bullock, or do you want to swap it out for number three? Are you feeling confident in your decision, Teeb? <laughs> well, I was. <laughs> yeah, I would feel confident if I were you. Uh, so you eliminated number one because it's actually Hatties. And McClunky, yeah, I remember Sebulba saying that. He's an angry dog, and, you know, he cheats, and he's just a scumbag. And at the very end, he goes, McClunky! I remember that. Uh, I didn't know it was Hatties, though. I mean, does it really matter? Um, okay, and I still don't think that Jeremy Bullock would eliminate his name so but a rapping ewok okay when did this allegedly come out this would have been 83 yes you know what they had like the 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 super bowl shuffle and there was a lot of weird stuff going on in the 80s with music that is true and uh willie bobo is a child of the 80s so he might have tried to really in that way this is true and you know he you know, you know he, he and i were both children of the 80s and uh yeah i'm gonna go with yubnub i'm gonna say that is the the fake fake i think that is the real deal all right well i think i may have given you a little bit too much help with this uh with this uh addition because that is the true answer um yubnub actually did chart on the billboard uh, in 1980, well, three or four, I believe it was. And you can actually hear part of the um, story. We'll probably put this in the link uh, in the podcast where you can get to the story and hear the original version of the song by Miko. Outstanding. So, yeah. Miko even sounds like an Ewok name, too. Yeah. 
It almost sounds made up. Oh, they're a little flat. Yeah, well, this is an old recording, I think. Introducing the special edition button exclusively from Faking Star Wars. The Faking Star Wars special edition button works similarly to other big red shiny buttons in that you just simply press it. Then the patented telepathic Bluetooth enabled processor detects your disgruntled feelings about the Star Wars content you are watching and will instantly special editionify it to perfectly match the headcanon you've been writing in your brain for years. Feeling triggered that Han didn't shoot first? Button! Wish Ray had more character flaws and training on Octo? Button! Wanna watch Rose Tico get eaten by a herd of sexist fathers? Button! The processor connects to your home entertainment system to instantly change the content on the screen to match your special edition. Never be disappointed with Star Wars ever again. The faking Star Wars special edition button also works on comics, TV shows, and video games. Try the new upgraded reality button that fits right on your belt loop and brings Star Wars into your real life. Is your used car dealer acting like Watto? Button! Vaporize him instantly! Are your younglings being a royal pain in the neck? Button! Instantly slain by a psychotic Sith apprentice. Can't seem to keep the fires of passion going with your loved one? Button! Giant-sized lightsaber will take care of it all. Act now and get your second button at half price. Not responsible for criminal proceedings as a result of using the faking Star Wars Special Edition button. Sounds like a really good button. It uh, sounds like a very easy device to use, too. Now, in your case, Teeb, would you? Uh, how would you use the reality button? Oh my God! I didn't know I was going to have a chance to actually uh, test drive this thing. Well, uh, you know, we we've been doing a lot of tests with our Russian trolls in the basement here in Topeka for months and months, and we think we have it perfected. So, well, if I may, uh, pushing the button would allow for. A, a much longer training sequence with uh, Leia and Luke. In fact, it'd be an incom a complete movie, maybe um, where they build up uh, a new Jedi Order, and uh, maybe we would actually get to see that. That would be wonderful. Ah, uh, yes. Very cool. And maybe Kylo Ren never takes his helmet off. Kind of like you. Like I think it's a, I think it's a wise decision that you never have taken your helmet off in my presence because I would lose respect for you instantly. You know, I hate to burst, burst your bubble there a little bit, T, but actually I've taken my helmet off many, many times around you. It's just that you can't tell because underneath there's another helmet. That's like this whole Cartesian thing that I can't I can't put my, my – I have a small brain, and I don't like to think about <laughs> things like that. Yeah. So it's if your helmet is showing all the time, it's you, you didn't really take it off. Yeah, that's true. That is true. All right, and we're back. Um, well, we are very, very honored today to be with none other than Mark Austin, who has a, had an illustrious career in the visual effects world, um, worked on many uh, 
blockbuster films, and uh, most notably for us Star Wars fans, um, was uh, he actually played Boba Fett in the 1997 special edition of A New Hope. Uh, Mark, it's wonderful to have you with us today. Um, tell us a little bit about you know your career and and how you ended up getting into this uh, Boba Fett shtick. Wow, that's that is a long a long story, and actually <laughs> I've been asked so many times that question and it's like how much do you want to know how brief how little do you want to know because it's such a, a, a long journey and I thought uh, with I thought we called it with a friend of mine and we thought oh, it would be like four chats of about 10 minutes ended up 12 episodes and so I just broke it down into kind of uh, when I first started saw the movie all the way to getting into animation all the way to finding my way to America, uh, all the way to finding my way to Lucasfilm and to, uh, you know, to Star Wars itself. So it took 12 uh, recordings over about probably about a year, a year and a few months uh, to tell the whole story. But the short version is that I was a, a, a 2D animator and I got hired by uh, ILM as an experiment. Uh, we was a whole bunch of 2D animators. They decided that they needed a team of animators for Casper. And back then, computer animators were hard to find. There were more 2D animators than there were 3D animators at that time. So when they needed a, a, an entire team of not just uh, computer animators, but computer character animators that could replicate 2D in a 3D movie for this Casper movie, uh, they decided that it's much easier if they just took those guys and trained them in the computer over 10 weeks. And so that's how I made the transition to uh, uh, 3D. Kind of learning on the fly, as it were. Yeah, we didn't realize how... Uh, I didn't appreciate where on the uh, spearhead I was at the time because uh, we were making stuff up as we went along, like blend shapes, which is something mm -hmm. we, we created... Uh, and we made up the name, oh, let's just call these, you know, because we're blending between shapes, uh, blend shapes. And now blend shapes is like a standard industry name for the shapes you make for mouth shapes. But back then it was a, a test for the movie Casper. But anyway. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so I was working at ILM and everybody knew I was the biggest Boba Fett nerd in ILM. My, my desk was a shrine to Boba Fett. And uh, one day an email went out. And it said, uh, does anyone want to be a stormtrooper for this event at Skywalker Ranch? So you can imagine how many people replied to that. And lucky for me, I knew the guy that run the, ran the archives. He'd let me take photos of the, the suit. And I got to sit in the land speeder. I got to wear Indiana Jones hat and jacket. The whale of a time. But most of all, my biggest thing was to just touch the suit. Like just hold the helmet or something. And so... Um, he called me up and said, uh, we had like a such a response to that email. You know, we're going to make it some, a much bigger thing. And basically, we're going to make the cantina bar on one of the sound stages at Skywalker Sound. And guess which character they're going to need? And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, you knew what they were going to say. And like time stood still. <laughs> like, I, and I'm sitting in my shrine, my desk with Boba Fett statues and drawings and, and photos and he asked me this question, and I'm like, oh my God. So he said, don't build your hopes up because everything fits to the flight suit. So if, if you don't fit the flight suit, then we'll find you an equally cool other character, like there could be 
an equally cool other character. Yeah, for right, me, exactly. Anyway, yeah. For me, personally. <laughs> Here, so, we'll let you play the character of your dreams, but if you're somehow too fat or too thin, then you get to be like, you know, Greedo or something. Oh, yeah. thanks. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it was uh, he said, anyway, don't build your hopes up because if you don't fit, you won't, have to do, you won't be able to do it. So, oh, damn it. Right. It was literally that Cinderella slipper moment. Oh, my but, goodness. But, but for boys. The boy equivalent of that Cinderella slipper moment. So I get there, and he shows me all the suit laid out. I mean, I'd seen it in pieces before, but it was all laid out. Like he goes, "Well, you, you know, we was going to give you a test fitting. I'm ready. What do you, what do you need me to do?" So they dressed me in the suit, and literally when the uh, zipper went up, that was the slipper moment. The zipper reaching the top, and everything just fitting was like the moment. But this wasn't for this wasn't for the movie at this point. This was just for this uh, special summit they were going to put on because they were going to re-release the movies. Like a promotional like a, thing. A promotional thing. Promotional thing for like Bantam books and Dark Horse comics and Kenner toys, wow. you know. So you, it wasn't even on your radar that you might then later no, be playing. Never. Wow. Wow. This was this was the, <laughs> the the highest I thought it would ever get. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't imagine a better win than this for me anyway, for me being a, the biggest Boba Fett nerd from England now working in America. Right. ILM. Biggest nerd. So anyway, I, uh, yeah, the, the gig was I had to wear the suit for four hours and pretend to be Boba Fett <laughs> in the cantina bar with people actually having drinks at, at tables and aliens, all the aliens there, all the, all the lights down, dark. You know, uh, there's like kind of dry ice, smoke, the band playing in the corner, like miming to the music, music loud. Wow. That it is... was the trippiest thing, wearing the real suit and pretending to be Boba Fett for four hours. That was my first job. So, <laughs> and so, they were, they, there was one part where they were saying, you have to have a break. I said, no, no, I'm fine. No, you have to, have, you, you've been in the suit for like two hours. Come on, you have to have a break. <laughs> I, I really don't need one. No, you. It's for safety reasons. You you have to hydrate. You have to. We have to. We'll get in trouble if you don't. <laughs> okay then. So, like some kid in detention, I got dragged away from the play the playground. Oh. And I had to. And I hydrated, and I was sitting there like a kid, like in detention, like waiting to be released. <laughs> I got a helmet on my on my on my lap, kind of bobbing up and down like I had, you know, too much energy. They said, "Yeah, you know, you don't have to go in right now, but if you want to, you can." I was already in by that point. I was already through the door, helmet on. So it was it was just a fun night because all the patrons, all the people there, were the biggest Star Wars fans. There were the, all these Star Wars fans from Kenner Toys were there. So everyone was getting into it. You know, if I, if I, if I walked past a, a table of aliens and gave them a look or stopped, they'd shrink away from me and stuff and look at me like, it was, it was the trippiest four hours. Anyway, it was such a success. They uh, said, um, you know, you might be asked to do a, another one if that's all right. Wow. So sure, I'd do another four hours in that suit. You know, sign me up. So. Then I became almost like the, the, the guy that fit the suit at that point. They could count on you not to get, like, too fat. You know, they're like, he's Mark's always going to be ready. So I was – when I became that, you know, on the heels of that, uh, they actually did organize this uh, blue screen shoot for Adam Boba fan. It was a friend of mine who said, asked me if I wouldn't mention him. I think it might be enough years I could mention him, but I'm not sure. Uh-huh. 
but he said, you know, I didn't tell you this, but you know, they're, they're looking for someone to jump in the suit. You know, you're the guy that fits the suit. You should tell them. Tell them you fit the suit. Here's the email. This is uh, the, the producer. This is Tom Kennedy. Just email him. Tell him you fit the suit. So I did. You know, and I already had all my dreams come true at this point. You know, and not just being in the suit. I've been in the suit. You know, a number of times. Had to pretend to be Boba Fett with all these fanboys. It was the best, best experience. How could it get better than this? Sent the email off, and the, the email response I got was, he was really pissed. <laughs> he was pissed that he was like, oh, who told you this? Right. I was like, damn. <laughs> uh, who told you this? I, and I said, I can't, I, I can't tell you. I said, but, you know, don't, don't wait. I, you know, I'm sorry, sorry. I just thought I'd throw it out there. Anyway, so uh, I didn't hear anything back. And I was like, oh, damn it. And then Steve Williams came up. Steve Spaz Williams, he's like the, the big famous, he was the big honcho at the uh, at ILM at the time. The head honcho, the, mm. the animator that, you know, did everything cool at that point. Uh, he had to do Jabba the Hutt. He ended up doing Jabba the Hutt in the special edition. But at that time, he just came up and said, uh, oh, I, I hear you're going to be jumping that suit again. I was like, oh, what the hell? I, I hadn't heard anything. I was like, you, you sure? He goes, yeah, haven't they contacted you yet? No. Oh, you might get an email soon. I was like, I didn't know whether to celebrate or not. Because it was sort of a strange confirmation. It wasn't like 100% sure. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't, <laughs> it wasn't, well, it wasn't, I didn't think it was 100% sure. So I had to sit on this, waiting for some email that might never come. I couldn't tell anybody in case I was wrong. What if I was wrong? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and then suddenly, when I did get the uh, email from Tom Kennedy saying about you know would I be interested in doing it, then then it became official. And then I had but I had to ask my Casper production if I could take the day off. So they said you know pending them saying yes. Oh damn it, another pending. Okay, ask them if I could take the day off. They said yes. They said we'll even pay you for the day off. Yeah, how about that? So have fun. You can leave the blend shapes for just a day because you're going to be Boba Fett. Your boss is okay with that? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I had the day off. It was uh, December 6th, 1994. And uh, and that was the blue screen shoot. And and at that point, that day of the blue screen shoot, I had no inkling that six months later I'd be be asked to do the creature effects in the same movie. Wow. So, like, John Noel did the spaceships. They were going to have two animators for the creatures. I, I guess because I was pretty fast on Casper, they decided, oh, they just need one. So I see. But, uh, yeah, that's how – that's the – very short version. Well, our, you know, our fans, if they if they are curious, I, I mean, I know there are some videos that where you go into greater detail. I, I think I saw one where it was actually at Celebration Anaheim, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. mistaken. Maybe it's on the Boba Fett fan club website. It's on the you, fan club website, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, if our fans are curious, I mean, you, 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 you've, you've given us the, the very juicy, delicious version of the story, the Cinderella version. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I just, I have to ask this, like, uh, thinking about that first moment when they asked you to, uh, you know, take part in that kind of gala event, were you worried about, you know, uh, being the same size as like Jeremy Bullock, who is the original actor who played Boba Fett? I mean, did you somehow try to get into shape at all? Did you go on like a special keto diet of just mythosaurs to kind of try to, you know, make sure that you would fit the apart or was it just sort of a crapshoot no i i definitely anything i went 
I, I, I knew I was the same size as him because of the suit fit. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, the only thing I had to do after that is I really wanted to make sure I nailed the Jeremy Bullock walk. So at that time, I didn't know there was more than one actor. I just thought it was all Jeremy Bullock back at that time because there was no internet, you know. And even when there was internet, ILM didn't permit internet at ILM. They probably do now, but back then you, you had an email and that's all you had. Uh, no internet. Security reasons, I guess, because of security, leaks. Security, yeah. yeah. So, um, so I just thought uh, Jeremy was the man. So uh, I just studied all the walks, and you know, maybe not all of them are Jeremy, but um, and, and the, the kind of the head cock as he rounded the corner, you know, just trying all those kind of little details. And then when I turn up to the shoot, the first shot is just me walking on and having to stop. It's the the wide shot with Jabra in it. Right. And um, so I had a start point and a, a stop point. I had a piece of tape up on the blue screen showing where Harrison Ford's eyeline was that I had to kind of look at. But I also had to make sure I stopped at the right, right point uh, and I had to stand and stand like I was going to be there for a while, get comfortable. And the first walkthrough, Steve was like, oh, this that's great and everything, except I, I, don't, I can't see the gun. The gun's got a bad silhouette. Could you swing your arm around? And keep going, keep going, keep going. When he said stop, it was at this really awkward angle, like really awkward out to the side where you f like you're forcing your shoulder blade back. Yeah, that's perfect. Just like that, he said. I don't always study this walk. I somehow had to do it, but with this weird twist to my body to make the rifle look good. I mean, it does look good in the movie, granted, but it wasn't comfortable to walk that way. <laughs> Not like, you know, for a whole morning. But, uh, well, I'm not trying to uh, talk you up, you know, but I am a massive Star Wars fan, obviously. And even back then in 97, I was, you know, in line to get tickets. I was the you know, first person in my seat for the special edition. And I was so convinced by the background in that scene. I actually thought that they shot Boba Fett back yeah. in, in 1976 or 75, yeah. whenever they shot. I mean, it looked so convincing. You, you did a yeah. fantastic job. Oh, so. I didn't do the comp in. That was uh, Steve Williams. But he, he showed me the shot or comp. Now I can do it. Now that's that's become my job now. But at that time, I was strictly just animation, and they separated you out. So you just animated, right, you handed right. your animation off to a TD, and they did all the comping. But, I mean, but, I think uh, the special effects were so good, but if the performance was not perfect it would it still wouldn't have worked you know i no, mean the effects are great but if you had somehow did a little dance and moved and shook a little bit different can you imagine like a you know peewee herman or or you know something like that it, it would have looked <laughs> bizarre you know so yeah. so really it the whole thing rose and fell on your performance in spite of all the amazing technology that was still being used at the time i knew that fans care because they do they care yeah. about those kind of details. So it was kind of a big responsibility. And I don't think anyone other than an Uber fan like you or I would <laughs> understand the seriousness of it because it is a serious thing. And so, yeah, so thanks for that. Yeah, I, I was just I was blown away by it, and and found out you know, years later actually that it wasn't original footage. You know, it was it was all recorded later, um, and then you know found out about you, and we got in touch through through 
through Twitter, I guess. And, you know, thinking about the special editions as a major fan, like, how did you feel about that, I guess, uh, before you knew you were going to be in them or working on them, like, that they're going to make these special editions? I mean, was your first instinct kind of to jump for joy or was it more like kind of cautious pause? Because I, I remember at the time I was just happy to get to see them again in the theater. Yeah. No, no. I, when, when I heard about them, I was curious and I would have been... Uh, more, um, I would have had more of a, a stance one way or the other had it not been George's idea yeah. and George yeah. wanted to do it. So when he said he wanted to do it, and the example that I got at the time was a very valid example, and I thought, oh my God, that's, this is awesome. He was talking about the pink flames at the end in the Death Star Trench. When the Y-wings and the X-wings go down, the, the flames, the explosions are pink because the blue screen pulled out all the blue and you end up with pink instead of yellow flames i was like, that's great if he wants to do stuff like that and he wanted to do i heard he wanted to do a a, a sand crawler shot and who wouldn't i mean you've seen that's a great Mandalorian. shot who doesn't want more sand crawler <laughs> you can't get enough sand crawler in my opinion so when he said those two things um, I, I was like sign me up I, I'll, I'll buy anything George feeds me because if he couldn't do it at the time, if he can do it now, then sign me up. I didn't know he was going to go as far as he did with some things. Right. Like some things got changed after I left ILM because I, I wouldn't have never left had I known there's going to be a Empire Strikes Back special edition and a Return of the Jedi special edition. If, had I known there was the possibility of jumping that suit again, I would never have left. There was only going to be a New Hope special, uh, special edition. And the reason that George said was that when he makes the prequels, he didn't let one there to be a sudden drop had, when people watched it in order in the quality and the look of the special effects. I thought, that's, that's good. He's like softening the blow. He's kind of easing it down like a, a little ramp. I buy that. But then... Like I said, the, the the Greedo thing happened after I left, and I didn't believe them when they told me because I'd I'd finished, I was done, it finished. New Hope Special Edition was wrapped, and I left. I postponed going to Disney. I told Disney I wasn't going to be able to come there till I finished working on New Hope Special Edition. Uh, I thought it was done. I left, and when I was at Disney, and someone told me about uh, the Greedo. I said, no, no, that, that could never happen because it probably was one of those things that George tried because I'd seen some things he tried in the theater and rejected. And once he's seen it there, he, he would just throw it out. There was, there was a time that he made us all come into the theater and he got them to edit the whole uh, rescue of the princess in the Death Star where they, you know, they shoot the guard, the, all the, the guards Sure. And the stormtroopers. Before they jump he down into the trash. He wanted compactor. to see a version without any stormtroopers or guards being shot. Huh. He wanted in the place of any stormtrooper or guard being shot. He wanted in place of that a camera being shot out or a sensor or something because there were plenty of those. But it did, we watched it and it didn't make any sense. It was like, what the hell's what happened to the guards? <laughs> they were up. Now they're down. But I didn't see one person get hit. It looked weird. <laughs> And so he rejected it, and rightly so. And I thought the Greedo thing must have gone the same way. So he must have even tried it, and he must have seen it and thought, wait, I'm taking away Han Solo's character arc. I can't do this. 
and you know and seen sense and rejected it but the thing is that i think i think i is that at the time George was surrounded by a whole bunch of like yes men that followed him around and said yes you know and wrote things down right, it's a great right. idea and um, and he was you could tell he was like you know bored of that he seemed bored of that because one time we had a conversation about a dubak shot that I, I worked on and the fact that I was having a conversation about considering other things to do he suddenly like perked up and and we had a conversation it was the it was the best me and George moment I ever had. We're just talking about blue sky and ideas for this shot. And, um, and we changed it. He changed it. He took my idea and changed it from a dewback's butt going over the hill to a dewback being coaxed into going over the hill. Which makes more sense. Where you saw, you saw the front of it and not just the butt of it. It was a butt ugly shot. I didn't, <laughs> you know, we saw the blocking of it and the blocking was ugly. I said, please, can I just do a, an alt version? No. Why? That would be taking power away from George Lucas. Why? I'm giving him all the power. I'm letting him choose A or B. How is that taking the power? No, we don't want you to do that. <laughs> I was told not to put it into dailies, and I put it in anyway, and Tom Kennedy was very pissed at me. He's furious. <laughs> Sorry, Tom, if you're listening to this. You, you, I needed to do this, uh, and I put it into dailies anyway. And... Uh, and you and he could you could see dailies on the big screen. And dailies took up the whole middle of the screen. In the top corner was Rick McCallum, uh, Skywalker Ranch. In the other corner was George in his San Anselmo house. Her house. And then at the bottom was a camera looking back at us. And right at the front was Tom Kennedy. Sorry, Tom, but I have to tell everyone this. You know, he is one of our biggest listeners, so you may want to be careful. <laughs> no, I love you, Tom. And this is just so funny. I have to. Uh, but he had this—he had the sweetest face. He always reminded me of the uh, the priest from Mash. He had a very nice face. And but I watched his very nice face turn to beetroot when this my shot came up—the shot that I was supposed to not put into dailies. And it was playing, and George was like, "What's this?" And my arm goes up. I'm at the back. Uh, that's just a alt version, a version B. And that was it. I sat down. Wow, and and so then it was out there then, so it, was, it became a discussion. But like I said, it was the best discussion because George was, you know, engaged, and and we we were like, you know, working out the details, you know, in, in its discussion instead of just, you know, everything he says. Oh yes, that's great, and you know, we actually had a chat about it. It was best, the best moment. Well, Mark, I I hate to say this, but it, you know, from watching the prequels and how they came to production, it sounds to me like uh, Lucasfilm may have pushed out any voices of yours in the production of those. I mean, it just seemed like it was made in a factory in some ways. I mean, I love the prequels just as much as anybody, but yeah. Um, it well, seems I turned down a big, a big, a big role in the prequels. Uh, because when I was leaving for Disney, um, they were saying, you know, why are you leaving? D Disney were just like, you know, they they, just, they thought I was playing hardball and they kept offering more money. And it got to a point where it just got silly. Well, I thought I better talk to my boss and maybe I can get a raise without <laughs> having to leave. Because I can't give you a raise. But uh, we would like to, we were hoping you were going to stick around because we was going to hope that you offer you the uh, animation director for the prequels. And... Uh, it wasn't for the money. It's because I didn't feel ready to. I do it. I mean, I do it. That's my job now. But at the time, I didn't feel. I felt I'd be doing the fans a disservice by accepting. Mm. 
Mm. I didn't feel like at Disney, my my animation increased four hundred percent. It was it was the biggest one of the biggest forks I've questioned in my life. Mm-hmm. Taking I was leaving ILM and going to Disney. That was one of the biggest what ifs, like the biggest one. And now it's kind of come full circle, right? I mean, it's all under the same umbrella again. So at the time. Because I, I did leave and I, I left uh, I left Star Wars at that point, and had I not, I, I probably would have been back in the suit for Return of the Jedi Special Edition. And, um, but I did my the plus was that my animation did increase at least four hundred percent, at least improvement. Hmm. I can't deny it that there's a lot of negative things about working there now, but at the time that I joined. It was all positive, and, uh, and and I can't deny how much I, I learned. But I, I didn't have that wealth of knowledge at the time they were asking me about this. So, And like I said, it became very factory-like. And, and that was because George was into the recyclability of computer animation, like the way you could animate one thing and recycle it. And, but he took it a bit too far or at that time we were like i said we were at the forefront we, we were learning as we went he took the brachiosaur model took the, the skin off and put a ronto skin on there make, make it move and it would have worked fine had someone gone back and we actually gone into where the pivot points in vertebrae are or would be that's something i know is important now but at the time this is all new I, i'm brand new to i just left the pencil and paper a year ago right we were making stuff up the 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 scurriers in new hope special edition were all raptors with new skin on wow. the, the wow. only downside to them not placing the pivot points in the right place on the ronto is that they placed them too far towards the back of the neck so any kind of slight movement made the front of the chest move a lot and it took you had to kind of counter animate the chest to stop it exploding or flapping around wildly it was really badly made but at that time ilm we have much more overlap now in departments but at the time the guys came in they made the models they stuck the bones in the, the controls and then they left and so you were left with what they finished with even if there was things that weren't working properly now it's a much more overlap you have an asset builder and a, a rigging cd on board for the show but back then it was oh modelers come in they model it they leave riggers come in they rig it they leave and so there were some horrendous things I got to work with on New Hope that I managed to correct in time for the screen. But but there was uh, a little bit of a difficult process kind of figuring out not only what are the tools, but how do they work? Um, and then you said you, you gained a lot of experience, you know, through Disney with animation. And now, so if I'm not mistaken, uh, you know, through your experience, now you're at MPC. Um, and, and so how has your experience affected the way that you're, you work now? Are you, are you have more of an oversight role or are you still kind of more of an animator hands-on with characters on screen or maybe a blend of, of everything? I think the, the third one you said, the blend of everything, because I, I, I do, um, uh, supervised sequences uh, when I was an animator you worked on a shot just a one shot you know or maybe you had like five shots in a row but you're lucky to have chunks of shots now I work on the whole sequence so uh, like on Avengers I worked out the final battle which happened over um, New York uh, Manhattan um, 
that was that was one of my sequences uh, in that i did actually most of the sequences in the first avengers movie but hmm. um normally you get to work on a sequence like the, probably the most expensive sequence because that's the one where they want to do the littlest amount of guesswork they want to know what camera what height what lens uh, the position of the camera uh, what the shot is, the, uh, you know, uh, the framing, and we basically take it to the point where you can almost squint your eyes and see the final film, and that's that's the quality they usually want. So yeah, I do oversee it, but then I do jump in and do a lot of the animation. Like we just finished a, uh, a job for Disney, in fact, and I did a lot of the animation on that. I can't say what it is. But. No, I'm sure your uh, your soul is tied to a million NDAs on yeah. that front. Yeah. So, but um, I guess now the fact that it is a little bit more of a hybrid approach to problem solving, that's good. But it also must create different challenges, especially given how competitive the industry has become, uh, with yeah. studios shopping out work all over the world. You know? Yeah, you have to really. I mean, you have to kind of. You always are challenged with trying to think up a new way of doing this because it does. When you've done as many films as I've done, it does become very repetitive. You feel like you've made this shot thirty times before, but with different characters, you know. And so there's, there's very few things at this stage that I haven't animated. Um, I was doing the uh, the previews for the second Three Hundred movie. And this shot never made it into the final cut, but on one of the scenes, uh, Zach wanted the Spartan to fall down onto his knees and throw up past camera. And I thought, wow, I've never animated a guy throwing up before. Throwing up, yeah. It was, it was, it made my day. Did you use yourself as a reference, like a mirror of you, like drinking an Epicac and then puking <laughs> all over your desk, like your Boba well, Fett desk? <laughs> at the time, well, at the time we were working at uh, Warner Brothers on the Warner Brothers lot. And we were in one of these cabins, and we'd go outside to not just mime it, but to shoot each other. So we had our reference for our animation. So we could, you know, just it just gets you quicker when it comes to timing and poses. But then every time a tram went past with people on the, the Warner Brothers tour, there we are fighting each other with invisible swords, you know, you know Trojan battles going on. And they're taking pictures like we're doing something. <laughs> I don't know what they thought we were doing, but but yeah, we're shooting a reference of ourselves. And uh, oh, that's great. That includes throwing up over the side of a boat. Yeah. So, so of uh, of the projects that you have not worked on, has there been like a, a real big movie that you you know where you saw the shots and you thought, oh man, I would have loved to have worked on that film, or or something yeah. else that you've been really impressed with lately? Um, yeah. The Mandalorian. <laughs> sure. I'm envious because the third floor done a lot of the Mandalorian, and uh, and uh, yeah, that would have been fun. I mean, what better than to work on that? But the, I must say that uh, I'm so so relieved that John uh, Favreau and uh, Dave Filoni have taken it the spaghetti western route because that's all i wanted if, if they just give me one thing it's the spaghetti western with boba fett you know in it it's like spaghetti western and star wars mixed but in addition to that i must give a hat hats off to those guys because star wars was uh based upon the seven samurai as you're well aware of course yeah but this is obviously lone wolf and cub if you think about it yeah it it's really is baby pram it's Baby Yoda is the cub, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, and actually of the two movies, because I, I have both, but I love uh, Lone Wolf and Cub 
uh, more. Um, that's definitely my favorite of the two. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd love to work. Maybe I will at one stage um, work on that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's in second season production. There's always I've always wanted to work on an Alien franchise. I've never worked on the Alien. I've worked on Predator, worked on Star Wars, worked on Ghostbusters. Worked on, uh, just haven't worked on, um, worked on Star Trek. I haven't worked on Alien. I see anyone. So maybe one day. There's always time. I mean, there's always that other project, right, that you, you didn't get a chance to do. But um, wonderful. Well, uh, I'd like to ask you a little bit, uh, you know, when you're talking about your experience putting in that shot uh, into the dailies for George to take a look at, a little bit surreptitiously, a little bit secretly, I got the impression yep. that you have a bit of a reputation of being being a sort of Boba Fett yourself, kind of do what you want, <laughs> right? Um, and I know that bit. you've had yeah. some, you know, backlash or, you know, you you were if i'm not mistaken banned from twitter temporarily and uh yeah. you know that that really resonated with us because one of our greatest contributors contributors for the site darth drivel was also banned um a few years ago and he has still not uh, been allowed back in he's now living wow. in exile in canada um so what what happened with you and twitter if you know if you're allowed to talk about it uh, how did yeah. you get back I, onto twitter i'm just i'm just i'm just going to apologize in that you're going to be very disappointed because <laughs> there was not no word from them at all. Wow. Uh, I was I, I generally post to all, all three sites at once: Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Right. And, uh, and they all have the same posts. And uh, I was I had I was posting onto Twitter. And the reason I post di- differently onto Facebook and Twitter is that you know sometimes Instagram mess with the format; they sure. square everything yeah. off. So if it's a really nice you know widescreen i don't want to share that with the other two so i i just copy my post and i repost the other two when i got to post to twitter it said you know your tweet's not working properly okay hmm. i thought maybe i need to get it happened before i had to delete the app and reinstall it and it works or you know get rid of my queue or something and uh i tried it again it wasn't working oh that's weird it's been Maybe it's being weird for everybody, you know, not just me. Right. So then I get a, a message on uh, Instagram saying your Twitter's being suspended. I was like, what? Hmm. And oh. I tried tweeting again. It wasn't working. And, and, and then it said, you know, you can't because you're suspended. Like, oh, okay. I am then. Um, so then it, I don't know if you ever tried appealing to Twitter, but they're not the easiest people to talk to. No, they're a little bit hard to get a hold of. you on a wild goose chase. Like even to the point where I had a drop-down menu that when it dropped down it was blank and <laughs> and everything kind of went a weird color and so I thought okay well there's nothing to drop down I'll just answer the question I answer the question I put all my details in when to send it you haven't chosen from the drop-down menu well I can't because <laughs> every time I do it blanks everything out and turns my screen off oh, anyway finally I got it to work on my laptop and did send uh, an appeal off but. All I, the only email I did get from them or piece of information was a response saying, we've got your appeal. This is like just a, a notification to say that we have got your appeal. And that was it. Wow. And so in, in the appeal, I did put to them, I said, you know, I'd love to know the actual post that is offending and, and, and whom. But I didn't get any of those uh, details. So. Wow. Well, it may just have been a disgruntled fan. It just, it just went back on uh, a week later. Huh. And um, and thank you to all the everyone that did uh, kind of uh, write to Twitter and 
and uh, write to me and was very supportive. And yeah, they were very angry, <laughs> angry mob. I love those guys. You know, the Star Wars fandom, especially the Boba Fett fan club, you know, when you uh, get on their bad side, uh, you know, hell hath no fury there. I mean, it is <laughs> you really don't want to do that. And we have been very fortunate at faking Star Wars that we haven't had to pull out our legions of fans um, to protect ourselves. But we do have an anonymous policy. So that does insulate us a little bit with, you know, yourself being a public figure. Um, you're probably liable for a lot of uh, pizza eating neckbeards in their in their mother's basements, uh, you know, who are upset about the prequels or or something you know then they yep, yep. they're throwing hate on you so um we're yep. glad that you survived that onslaught um and that you're still here with us so um let me ask you this uh what what do you think the future holds for animation for star wars uh, do you think boba fett is going to come back in some way shape or form in the future um is he dead is he really in the sarlacc pit where do you see the future with star wars um I'm still unsure because it's definitely hit and miss the things and decisions that Disney are making with Star Wars. But um, I do feel I was I was at the uh, 2017 uh, London Film and Comic Con, and I was on a panel next to uh, Jeremy Bullock and Dickie Beers and um, Alan Alan Harris, mm. and someone asked about uh, just what you said. And Jeremy Bullock, who had the microphone, there's a microphone we were passing between the four of us. Jeremy Bullock said, he was like our, our leader. He said, this is one for you, Mark, and passed me the microphone. <laughs> I was asking you know, about, about the Boba Fett, you know, the, will we see him again? I was just honest. I mean, sorry, I mean, if you're going to ask me a question, you're going to get my honest opinion. Sure. And so I was just honest. I said that I was worried. I was worried that we'd see too much of Boba Fett. Like we we get, I don't want to see him without his helmet on. Like I don't want to know too much about him. I'd rather experience stuff with him. Like if we take, if we're on the journey with him, yes, but I don't want to know too much. The mystery is half the attraction, and so uh, that was that didn't sit well with the audience. Like they didn't like that answer, especially mm-hmm. coming from Boba Fett. How can how can you not want more Boba Fett? And, and it wasn't that I didn't want more. I just was worried about it being handled wrongly. And uh, I feel like the Mandalorian is is the right way to do it. And I'm glad they've done it that way. And had they done a, a Boba Fett movie in that way, I think it would have been everything I'd wanted and more. But it was such a big gamble at the time, especially in 2017. I mean, you didn't have much. You know, there's been a lot of big leaps uh, in the right direction for star wars like um like the, the games i don't even to, need to mention that game that came out this week right oh absolutely. incredible incredible it's like you know it's, it's, at last we're getting you know now with the black series helmets we're, at last we're getting everything we wanted as kids it's a shame that i'm 53 years old and i'm still ordering my x-wing helmet <laughs> <laughs> and it's awesome and i said you know i waited decades for this thing you cannot deny me ordering this damn helmet i've right, waited right. decades and i'm so glad i've got it ah 
Well, we have a Patreon uh, that we're doing to support to buy Storm Duper myself a new helmet, actually, because mine was damaged in in a in a, a bar fight recently when a, we just were discussing one of the prequels. So um, I feel you oh, there really? with you know the black the really? black helmet series. So um, oh. great. Well, um, you know, Mark, it's been such a pleasure talking to you, and our fans are just always itching for these insider details, um, things you've shared with us. You know, just a great insight into the life of uh, not not only a fan but also a creator of Star Wars uh, and other great great uh, classic films as well so um, I guess I just want to ask you sir is there any uh, specific things other than like you know fans may not be aware of the no disintegrations show that you have um, yeah. no disintegrations.tv which are kind of like little web videos where you star as Boba Fett and take an insider look into the life of a bounty hunter um, yeah. and I guess you're with uh, you're you're at whisper film studios right now uh, is at that whisper correct films, yeah Okay, and, so we, yeah, it's a great place to come if you get some need some editing in you know, the Burbank area. Wonderful. So we'd like to give them a shout out. Are there any other uh, events or properties? Uh, next year, I'm going to be in Oregon with my brother, Daniel Logan. And uh, I'm going to be somewhere in, oh, in Cin- um, Cincinnati in uh, June. Oh, excellent. Yeah, for the big toy. Uh, well, Cincinnati's a little closer to me, so if you do see a, mo- a purple mohawk stormtrooper coming up to you to ask you okay. weird questions about Star Wars, <laughs> you'll know who that is. Um, yeah, that's uh, June 20th, 21st. Okay. It's called SciCon. It's a new convention, and I got to hear of it through my good friend uh, Jim Swearingen, who is the godfather of all Star Wars toys. That's right. It's with Kenner and all yep. that, right? Yep. So. Yep. All right, Mark. Well, how can fans find you on Twitter and Instagram or Facebook? Uh, what's your preferred method of uh, stalking our fans? Uh, just find me at, at Boba Fett, A-N-H-S-E. A New Hope Special Edition, right? A-N-H-S-E. Special Edition. All right. Well, uh, do you have any questions for us at Faking Star Wars, or is there anything else on your mind that you'd like to share as we close up here? Uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I'm just, uh, I'm just want to thank you for inviting me on the show and it's been a pleasure absolutely and uh you know we'll see you in the new uh special specialized edition which i think george lucas has planned for the for the 40th uh or the 60th anniversary of uh, a new hope (laughs) in 2039 i guess it would be or 29 (laughs) so you'll you'll have to keep the pounds off so that you can fit back into that uh scene because you know there's a little known scene that lucas scripted when boba Boba fett actually shows up at the final celebration scene when everyone's getting medals and tries and actually steals chewbacca's medal that's why he never had a medal so yeah yeah so get ready for that some short to me (laughs) Yeah. yeah Fantastic. Got me thinking now. Okay. I know, yeah, yeah. Start start pitching it, you know. I think yeah. it has a lot of legs, so <laughs> great. Okay. All right. Well thank, thank you very much. Okay, T well that was a tremendous interview with Mark Austin. Once again wanna thank him for his time uh doing the interview for us a few weeks ago and um Thanks for his patience before this episode's released. Uh, what did you think of Mark Austin, T? Well, I was really surprised that he has a bigger action figure collection than I do. I mean, 3,000 pieces. I have 2,986, <laughs> so he has me beat. So I need to get my butt over to some stores and buy as much uh, you know, Star Wars stuff that I can get my hands on. He has got quite the presence on Twitter. He's doing all kinds of cool artwork. I've seen him doing some hand drawings even, I think, lately. 
He's doing Boba Fett shoes. Well, I shared a an image on Twitter of uh, I, I guess uh, this guy was sick or his the, this guy's wife was sick. I'm on I'm on a very special secret top secret group on Facebook, and uh, this guy's wife was sick, and so he knew how much she loved Baby Yoda, and so he tried to draw her a Baby Yoda. And I really wanted the image to go viral, so maybe Mark can retweet that. Uh, it is the saddest oh, yeah. image of Baby Yoda I've ever seen in my life, and I just want to make sure that. Oh, uh, no. Maybe that will get viral because uh, you know it's the thought that counts, right? So it wasn't that terrible one that looks like it was written by a drunken yes. twelve-year-old. Oh no, <laughs> you know the guy that did that? <laughs> it's not anybody I know in real life. It's a Facebook uh, very special group that I'm a part of now. Not not as special as faking Star Wars, real faking Star Wars on <laughs> Facebook.com. HTTP, you know, forward slash forward slash. Yeah, no. Not as, it's not as special no. as that, obviously, but yeah, I just saw that and I thought, wouldn't it be really funny if if this goes, you know, like galactically, yeah, Supernova. and the guy's like, oh, Jesus Christ, I didn't want that to go out to the world. <laughs> <laughs> he knew it was terrible, Oh, he right? had, uh, no, dude, <laughs> if he doesn't, he needs okay. to be in his, his own special <laughs> edition, you know, a little special room somewhere. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, speaking of special editions, you know, we're going to discuss the editions that Lucasfilm and, and namely George Lucas has done to our favorite property in the last four decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and because there have been so many, and we're talking about so many formats, we're really going to restrict this conversation to the movies, okay? Mm-hmm. Um and in the form of a top 10 list, you know, our top 10 kind of most interesting little tidbits about the special editions. Does that sound like something you'd like to participate in? Not Tim? at all, but, you know, you begged me to be on yeah. this episode, so I love you and, uh, you know, <laughs> the things I do. Yes. Well, number one uh, is actually probably one of the most little-known facts about stars. When did the, the first special edition of Star Wars come out, Teeb? Uh, I want to say it was 1995. Okay. Maybe 96. Are you thinking of the theatrical releases? Yes. So those actually happened in 1997. Aha. But those were nearly... 25 years after the very first, or sorry, 15 years after the very first special edition. Really? Yeah, the very first special edition came out in 1981 in the theater with the re-release of Star Wars, which was not originally titled Episode 4 A New Hope. It was just called Star Wars. I have a friend who is a little older than I am, and he will yell at me whenever I call it A New Hope. He says, hope. it's Star yeah. Wars. That's what it was when I saw it as a kid, and that's what it is. <laughs> it is Star Wars, and I'm like, Whoa. So you actually can go online and see the original crawl that's a little bit different yeah. with just Star Wars. There's no episodes. There's no A New Hope, and it goes right into the uh, the original crawl. Interesting. And a lot of fans don't know that. And so that's why, uh, you know, I think it's interesting when people complain about the special editions that Lucas, you know, came back later to ruin Star Wars. He had it ruined right from the very beginning uh, because he changed the name of our favorite movie. I'll never forgive him. I've been I've been wearing my Star Wars was called Star Wars T-shirt since 1981. So Wow. It's so he kind of like did a cat's thing. Like he went out and like re-edited it and put it back out in the theaters within a, a couple of years of it 
being originally released. Yeah, I mean, I think it was related to, of course, Empire Strikes Back. They, that's when they actually started the episodic numberings. So I'm wondering what it was like for fans going in to see Empire Strikes Back and suddenly seeing episode five, you know? what They must have had the, a little moment there where they asked themselves, what the heck is well, that? Well, I was six, so I didn't know what the hell was going on in half the time. I just thought the AT-AT walkers were really yeah. cool and blowing crap up all the time things of that mm. nature but like for people who are a little bit older like were they wondering did i accidentally miss three straight to well they didn't even have video back then so straight into nothing episodes of star wars and nobody even told me i believe i have a book around here somewhere that is actually from 1977 that my my father purchased uh and it's i want mm, i don't know i'm gonna have to look for it now because i think it says a new hope on it somewhere is that right well they may have had the title floating around but the actual release did not say that originally mm. yeah so what i would think if, if i was in the theaters uh and i was more cognizant at the time i would have thought that obviously that flash went back in time and created a flashpoint and that i was now in some alternate you know dimension that i was uh not aware that there had been four other movies and so i was now watching the fifth movie and I would feel, you know, let down. Like, I have no idea what's going on in these movies. It's almost like if somebody made you go back in time and had to rewatch all the movies, but that's just insane. Yes. I think there were even ads, you know, where they just called it Star Wars. Probably, yeah. I, m- I remember having the Burger King glasses when I was a kid, and it just said Star Wars. That's for sure. Yep. Didn't say A New Hope on it. That's for sure. No. So... I know we interviewed Mark Austin, and I think he's a great guy and everything, but I I don't like messing with things that shouldn't be messed with. And I will say this. I think the addition of the Jabba scene would have been good if Jabba didn't look quite car- so cartoonish and like obviously uh, redone to i don't know what what am i trying to say it's like i I didn't mind the scene it was an interesting cutaway scene that actually developed more of the story and gave you an understanding that that uh han was in debt to this java guy but i thought it was it was way more uh dramatic and powerful when you first see java in return of the jedi and you had in your mind you had no idea who java was what he was it could have even been a woman for all you know. You don't know. Jabba, he never says Jabba he. I think he just says Jabba, 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 Greedo when he's talking to him. So it's also funny that he says you're a wonderful human being. I thought that was actually a, a neat little trick and the fact how he like steps up onto the the um, platform and kind of steps on his tail. I thought that was, I don't know, goofy, I guess. But, I mean, Mark did a great job. I really believed he was Boba Fett. That's for sure. I thought, oh, there's Boba Fett. Completely seamless. I actually, when I first, I think I told him in the interview, when I actually saw that scene for the first time in 97, I actually thought it was an outtake of Boba Fett, like Jeremy Bullock. Yeah, no, I I did too. I thought that the only thing that they added was the the cartoon, the the Jabba. I had no idea that they had gone back and, and yeah, I, I, I thought as well that Boba Fett was always in that scene and that they just made Jabba part of the 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 thing i don't know have you seen the uh shots you can get on youtube and you can actually see what the scene looked like before they digitized java because they actually filmed that scene with a stand-in actor wearing a big hairy coat who is a scottish gentleman i believe yeah i've seen i've, I've seen the actual uh the human being i've seen the wonderful human being right. yes i have and and because <laughs> I, I saw that when it i don't know in some special deleted scenes or special edition sequence or whatever i don't know on 
on the DVD or something. But yeah, I, I saw him. I mean, he looked like, and that's in my mind. I just, I always keep like wishing that they had just left it like that. And then when Return of the Jedi, they could have just gotten that actor to come back and sit on the throne and like be holding Leia like a dog, you know? <laughs> like somehow it would have been so much worse if he was just a giant Scottish guy holding a woman with a chain than this slug-like monster doing it. You're right. I mean, it, it would have had a, a lot more. Uh, it would it would have meant a lot more because <laughs> that kind of stuff. There are people that that do that. <laughs> what other like monster characters in Star Wars could they make a special edition of, you know, with a and actually swap it out with a person to make it more unsettling, you know? Like if Jabba were a person but he just did everything else the same, yeah, yeah. you know, it would be really unsettling. Oh yeah, what about uh eating the eating the frogs? Like if he had to do that scene yeah. like eating the like, you know, just like munching down on the the space frogs or whatever the hell they are. Yeah, right, right. That would have been. <laughs> who else? What other? What other terrible creatures? What about that? What about that eye alien? The in the trash compactor. Oh, the Diano guy. He's just like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The monster. What if it was like a guy and he's like whoop, <laughs> like pops up. <laughs> it looks whoop, here. I am. <laughs> it looks a little humanoid, kind of like the alien from uh, the Shape of Water or something. Like Luke has to have sex with it <laughs> before they'll release him from the. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that is oh gosh anyway mint. all right well, let's move along uh number three is actually a more recent addition to a new hope uh one that uh you know the careful eye of fandom didn't miss though on the day that disney plus started a fan found this little nugget greedo saying mcclunky yes and i mean i didn't hate it it's just so weird you know <laughs> Like why? <laughs> what what how is that an improvement on anything? Well, it's funny because they did it because they wanted to show that he was giving like a, a death sentence basically to Han at that point, right? Cuz it, it means that uh what? You're you these are these are your last moments or something like that. Like I'm going to kill you now. But then they didn't translate it. So how obscure to do it in an alien language that not even yeah, the actors can speak. Exactly. And they didn't <laughs> translate it. So it's like we're going to add this specific detail in there so that it gives some credence to why Han would shoot first. But then they didn't have Han shoot first. And then they didn't bother to translate McClunky at all. Right. Isn't there another <laughs> time where a character says McClunky that we've talked about? Sebulba. Yeah, he McClunky. says McClunky. So uh, he doesn't say McClunky. Why would he say McClunky bang on his little pod racer right after he loses and be like, this is the last breath you'll have it doesn't make sense what makes sense is <laughs> right <laughs> i just lost the race <laughs> right yeah i think so I, yeah. I i call bull crap on that i think mcclunky means poodoo poodoo yeah yeah i i do think it's funny though that they you're right they caught it on on disney plus is like the very first day it came out they were like they caught it and i was like what <laughs> people are crazy who are these people yeah. who have time to like sift through each edition <laughs> on the off chance I know. That there's That's something what I'm saying. different you know there was somebody that opened up disney plus <laughs> and then opened up their laptop and they watched the movies this d- wow at the same time yeah at the exact same time and then th- they heard mcclunky and they're like wait what what was that and then they went back and then they became a, an internet legend that nobody knows who they are so number four Number four is the Empire's Emperor dialogue. Empire Strikes Back. Uh, there was a dialogue change that 
it it says the son of Skywalker instead of Luke Skywalker. That's and, right. Yes. And it was I and and he says something like that. He guy, adds in a little bit too. He says uh he says something like the young rebel who destroyed the death star. Yeah, he doesn't even but then he says the son of Skywalker should not become a Jedi or whatever and then yeah. But yeah, you're right. He says the young rebel that blew up the Death Star, kind of like nobody knows who this guy is. By the way, if Palpatine created Vader and Vader's midichlorian DNA are swimming around in Luke's blood. Why didn't yes. the Emperor get some inclination that Luke Skywalker, like he never heard about Luke Skywalker, just some young rebel? Like, I would want to know who just blew up my damn Death Star. I'd want to know his name. I'd want to know where he lives. I'd want to know what he had for breakfast and lunch and dinner. You know what I mean? I'd like to know if he, he had 2% or skim blue milk for his cornflakes on Tatooine that morning. Exactly. The guy blew up my Death Star. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, I have another one that's being built, you know, very conveniently across the galaxy, but... <laughs> right, right. And then eventually, I also have this giant base called Starkiller Base that's going to be solar-powered that, you know, uh, you know <laughs> that I'm also going to be cloning myself badly, uh, like cracked eggshell people, and, you know, eventually I'm going to get it right. I don't know. He, uh, he's very big on redundancy, the Emperor is. I'll give him that. They're very insular, right? Yeah. Like the, 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 I feel like the Emperor is sort of like... He, he doesn't have time to worry about the people that are actually attacking him because he's worried too much about just, like, creating something horribly powerful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So he can't really focus on, like, how they're going to bring me down. More just, like, I want to build this great thing. Like any true visionary, you know? So he's, like, a, a great builder is what you're saying. Like, he wants to put his name on yeah. things and make sure that everybody remembers him for all time. Exactly. Huh. Fairly admirable when you really think about it that way. Yes, absolutely. I mean, what if he made everything so, uh, like like instead of it being black and dark? What if he had like gold and marble? That that would have been like what if what if there was another what if there's another Death Star that is actually just solid gold and marble? It's got rhinestones on it. Yeah, rhinestones. <laughs> that would be the. And then like epic. instead when they shoot the Death Star laser, instead of it shooting a planet, it turns into like a big like 1970s disco party <laughs> I was or just something. Just thinking that it's like <laughs> like oh, I don't know if you remember there was this dumb movie called the the Nude Bomb. Do you remember that movie? Oh, the Nude it Bomb. It was a Get yes, Smart movie. It was kind of like the it Naked was a Get Gun, Smart right? movie. You remember Get Smart right. with uh, Don Adams, right? Of course. And at the end of the movie, everything... It's one of these movies that I love because at the end, the bad guys win. And what happens is... It, it works. What happens is basically all the clothing <laughs> in the entire world just evaporates and everybody is naked. And it's like they're all just kind of looking around going like, <laughs> well, okay. So... And then they all just kind of like start dancing, I think. In my mind, that's what I remember. I don't know. So yeah, it would be like that. It would be like the nude bomb, but it would be like... <laughs> It makes everybody get down and boogie, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be awesome. Oh, God. We can dream. Well, number five is a little tidbit that always bothered me that they changed this because it was one of my favorite lines of comedy from Empire Strikes Back. Do you remember the scene when R2-D2 falls into the swamp and he gets kind of eaten by some giant fish monster that we only see the fin of? Yeah, and he says, uh, he doesn't like you. He says... <laughs> yeah, so he gets spat out and Luke says... You're lucky you don't taste very good. Right. Right? And and for some inexplicable reason, that line wasn't good enough. And I don't know if they got Mark Hamill to re-record it or if they had like an alternate take, but they changed it to you're lucky to get out of there, which is like the most like saccharine, like gray, feelingless like line of dialogue. Like you're lucky to have done what just happened and what the audience just saw. Like, 
like just yeah, terrible. I always thought to think that R two D two was in the mouth of something and he spit him out. That has a lot more drama behind it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we got this great like Jonah and the whale kind of motif happening. Like, no, you're just you're lucky to have escaped. Well, I, I actually have a friend who knows some people and said that what happened was that the alien, the the, the monster that ate R two was actually taking one of those, um, you know, the uh, colonoscopy pills. He thought R2-D2 was a colonoscopy oh. pill, and he was trying to swallow <laughs> it down, and it was too big. And as soon as he realized that R2-D2 was a droid and not this pill he was supposed to take, he spit him out. But they felt that if mm. they put that dialogue in the movie, it would have been too complex for children. So when they did the the retake, they actually did the, oh, you know, oh, you're lucky to have gotten out of there. Because it would it would be too much to explain. Teeb, I hate to break this to you, but um, you don't take hemorrhoid suppositories by mouth. No, not hemorrhoids. Colonoscopy <laughs> pills. You know the little camera pills. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I know you know what right, I'm talking right. about. The colonoscopy pills. Well, <laughs> robot pills. Which cool, I cool. guess he is a robot. He is a droid, but I mean he's huge. That's a bitter pill yeah. to swallow. That's a bitter droid to swallow. Well, what do you think compelled them to change that line? Children. Like what? As we used to call them in the in Space Marines, the Mothers of America, like somebody complained, just the same idiots who complained that the Kool Aid Man didn't have pants. <laughs> so is this like too scary? Like if the yeah. fish monster was actually eating R two, but if he was just swimming and drowning, <laughs> then it's okay. Yeah, well he's like, like yeah, I, I mean... don't so I get the logic. Like. <laughs> I'm not. It's much better to drown a horrible death than to be eaten by an alien creature. Like, <laughs> I'm not a mother's. It says I'm so not here a in my of book of what's scary. No, I'm not a mother's of America. <laughs> I can't tell you what goes through their minds, but yeah, that's what I feel. I feel like somebody complained that, oh, that's really scary. They shouldn't. Oh, R two D two can't get eaten. That's sad. My child's right, gonna well, ask six me questions is a big one, now. Teeb. My child's gonna ask me questions that are uncomfortable. I don't know how to handle those. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Number six is a big one, Teeb. Yes, number six, I would have fought you if you didn't let me use this one uh, to talk about oh, this yeah. one. So, <sighs> Return of the Jedi songs. All right. So, with this kind of lumping, this is like two point, like 6.1 and 6.2 here, kind of, Yeah, right? 6.1, we'll start. Okay, I, I just call it the Dr. Teeth, Dr. Teeth scene. I mean, if you're familiar with the Muppets, there's a character, a Muppet called Dr. Teeth, and he has these big gold teeth, and he's, ah, 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 and he's real kind of... And then you see, basically, Dr. Teeth is in Jabba's palace, and he sings this song, and he's, like, in your face. Like, did they do did they, did they do these in 3D or something? Was that the bit? Like, they wanted everything to be in 3D? Originally, no, but it was kind of, yeah, I mean, it had this sort of 3D effect where it came up to the camera. It looked like he was going to eat me. Like, you want to talk about scaring children. That scene, if I saw that as a kid, that would have scared the hell out of me. When he's like, I would have and he's all in your face, and you're just like, what did I do? And then, like, the little the little fat blue uh, elephant, he gets, like, kind of, like, he, he, he gets, you know, he doesn't get top billing anymore, because he was, like, a cool little... I think one of my friends had that action figure, actually. Oh, do you mean Cy Snoodles? Not Cy Snoodles. That's the green singer chick, right? Uh, so Cy Snoodles is the kind of puppet with the very skinny kind of yeah. pipe 
flute uh, nose mouth thing. No, I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about the blue elephant. Oh, that's Max Rebo. That is Max Rebo. It's the Max Rebo band. Yeah, that's who I like. He's like the elephant. He's kind of the yeah, elephant Yeah, that's what character. I said, the blue elephant. He's got his little cool like uh, keyboard thing. It's like a, like a circle keyboard, like a semi-circle Yeah, so keyboard. that's Max Rebo. We have Cy Snoodles, the singer, and also uh, the guy who looks like he has a giant vagina for a head is Droopy McCool, who plays a woodwind. Ah, that's a yeah. terrible like affliction to have. Like you look like a well, what if your head looked like a vagina and you didn't know it, and you like you went to like a cantina in another galaxy, and somebody was like, "Damn!" Like imagine, like like that, like what would you do? Like, and you have no idea. Like, you're just like there and somebody like people are looking at you like, does this guy know that he has that for a head? So I think maybe I was like scarred and I had this bad memory of him. As I look at this picture of him now that I've got pulled up, uh, Droopy McCool, it's more like he has like one of those airline pillows around his head <laughs> with eyes on the end. Like, Oh, that guy. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, The clarinet player guy. Kinda. Yeah. What's Dr. T? So those were the original members of the uh, the Max Rebo band, and I had all of them. But then, of course, then we we get this new song, and the the song they played again goes away, and we get um, instead we get um, Dr. Teeth. We get a whole bunch of other musicians, actually. Gosh, it's um, what is his name? Ja Yauza. Ja Yauza. Yeah, it even sounds like his jaw yeah. is going to come out and get you. Ja Yauza. Ja Yauza. Sounds like he's remained. Interestingly enough, Ja Yauza's actual name. So he's he. Not only did they bring in this guy as a special edition um, with us, he has a stage character name, but his actual name is. You're gonna have to have the Russian trolls translate that. I mean, I'm actually not making this up. Look it up. Like, it's like 64 Wait, that's his real name, and, and then he's battle. got a stage name. <laughs> they gave this guy a backstory where he like is yeah, sitting there yeah, and so home they really with his did wife, their homework. And his wife is like, yeah, da, 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 and he's like, man, I'm done with you, like uh, Jack Kerouac <laughs> or whatever, right? And he like leaves her, and like he comes up with this whole new persona, and he joins. Max Rebo. Wow. Maybe so. Maybe so. So they, they did a lot of thought about the song. Unfortunately, it was completely Yeah. Horrible. They, oh, <laughs> uh, they disimproved it is what we would say at work. They disimproved it. Yeah. Okay. So they disimproved it. Yes. And there was another song in Jedi that they also disimproved. Right, Tim? Yeah. My favorite, my favorite song next to the... I mean, it, it is a song, actually. When you think about it, uh, I think Duel of the Fates has lyrics and Yub Nub has lyrics. But a lot of the other songs that I like, a lot of the music that I like in Star Wars doesn't actually have lyrics. But Yub Nub had, has lyrics and it, it ended right. Return of the Jedi, which at the time when I saw Return of the Jedi... As a kid, that was the end of Star Wars. So this was this epic end. And I thought it actually gave it some kind of, uh, like, this granular, cool level of the, the galaxy is safe now because the second Death Star has been blown up, the Emperor is dead. Well, <laughs> they thought he was dead. And, uh, you know, it's this, this isolated little camp on the forest moon of Endor that is celebrating you have an understanding that there's a vast galaxy that is going to celebrate you don't need to see it you don't have to see all these different places to celebrate and if you do why did you get rid of yub nub completely you could have had yub nub mm. transition into 
the celebrations on Naboo and Coruscant and all these other places, right? You could have had, you could have sure. started with Yub Nub, and and it almost it gutted me the first time I saw it. I I was I I didn't know that they had done that, and because I, I don't know, I think I've told you this before. I refused to go see the the nineties re releases in the theaters. I refused to see them. Oh, did you? I really? did because I, I knew that. that the prequels were going to be coming out. And I felt like it was them throwing us a bone, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. So I was like, no, I've waited this long. I'm waiting. I'm, I don't need to rush out and see it in the theaters. And then when I heard they had messed with it even more, I was like, yeah, I'm really not going to go see it. And I talked to my friends, and they told me what was in it. And I was like, yeah, whatever. But I didn't know about the Yubnub thing until I went and bought Return of the Jedi on DVD. And I started watching it. And you get no Yubnub, and then you get Anakin whiny Hayden Christensen, you know, who replaces good old actual Anakin from, you know, when I saw it as a kid. So they... Right, so that edition came in even later. So they, they tinkered and tinkered and tinkered. It's like an addiction, you know, it never stops. It's kind of like taking morphine. You can't get enough of yeah, it. Yeah, that stuff is great. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I Again, I really love that song. I think it is the quintessential conclusion to return of the jedi i thought it was perfect because it it the original yub nub or the actual yub nub it it blended the hard technology with the uh natural environment and john williams is a great did john williams write that uh, i think he wrote yub nub if he wrote it it's great even if he didn't write it it's great but i mean it it wouldn't surprise me if he wrote it or if he had a hand in writing it anyway i know that he wrote the new version of the thing that came over that you know uh, where we get transplanted to all the planets and see all that um because i remember reading about that after the fact because i didn't know that was going to be one of the changes was that we weren't going to see yub nub yeah i would have been very upset to see that or i was very upset to see that actually i was very upset to see yep. them remove that great song Nub. I mean, Ewoks yub. were nub. Yeah, yub, yub, nub. <laughs> Are you broken? Are you okay? <laughs> I used to like write lyrics to Yub Nub in English when I was a kid. Okay. You okay. know, I had like some lyrics that I thought it was saying because I, of course, didn't speak Ewokese, but it was like, you know what? I can say what? You know what? Yub, yub, nub. <laughs> really? Don't you know? Don't you know? Yub nub. Don't you know? Don't you know? <laughs> yeah. So. Of course you did. Don't you, don't you know? <laughs> yub nub. <laughs> I used to say hallelujah, hallelujah at the end. Oh, when right. they go hallelujah, whatever the hell they're saying, I always did hallelujah because to me it was, it's like the hallelujah chorus and they and they destroyed right. it. I mean, that's, you know, uh, Handel's Messiah. Is it Handel's Messiah or hallelujah? Yeah, mm. Handel's Messiah. It's like you don't mess with the Messiah, man. You don't mess with the Messiah. Anyway, that's how I feel. And if you disagree with me, you're an idiot. Well, number seven is another kind of subtle improvement, if you would like to say, or disimprovement on uh, Return of the Jedi, which came out not in the 97 release, I don't think, but after the prequels, after Revenge of the Sith, after Hayden Christensen got his eyebrows burnt off. They actually went back into Return of the Jedi to that iconic scene when uh, Luke removes Vader's helmet and for the sake of continuity, they deleted the actor's eyebrows because apparently Darth Vader doesn't have eyebrows anymore. Um, he's been plucking them at the in Eyes of India Mall on the Death Star uh, faithfully for the last 30 years. And uh, we have to be consistent with canon eyebrows. So 
Well, okay, he got him lasered off. He got him lasered off, right? So, like, once you have laser uh, right. eyebrow removal, don't they stay gone forever? Isn't that, like, how that works? Yeah, you'd think so. So, I mean, it's one of those additions where it's just, like, you just did it to appease, like, six people <laughs> who literally were sitting at home and wrote an article on some website about how, how you know, Lou, uh, uh, Darth Vader has eyebrows again, and they got butthurt about it. And so they went back, and they're like, no, 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 this has to be perfect. Otherwise, it's not believable, because we all know Star Wars is the most believable movie in the world. Um, and so they deleted his eyebrows. Well, we just watched the movies that made us... Six million dollars per eyebrow. Yeah, we just watched the movies that made us. Uh, it's like a, a spinoff of the toys that made us on Netflix, and they had one for Die Hard. It's a good show. And they were interviewing the director, and apparently there's a scene where they, they, they kind of wrote the movie as they were going along, and they were like, "How the hell are they going to get out of here?" And then it dawned on them, "Oh, they can use an ambulance." So then they show the ambulance coming out of the back of the truck. And so they're getting ready to screen the movie for the first time with all the, you know, all the production crew. And they start watching the movie and everybody starts to panic. They're like, oh my God, we need to go and reshoot this whole scene. It's, they were all in a panic and they go to Joe McTiernan and they're like, what are we going to do? What are they going to do? Because what happened was you see the scene where they're coming out of the truck. All the terrorists are coming out of the truck in the in the opening sequence and there's no freaking ambulance in the truck, right? So he basically ah. says, you think I'm going to reshoot it? Because a bunch of dumbasses are gonna get worried about the fact that you know continuity. He's like, I don't care if they're gonna if they're gonna worry about it. <laughs> let them worry. Like I don't care. Like he, like he gets it. It's not real. It's entertainment. It, it, it's like if that bothers you so much, he basically says you're a giant dork, right? He's like, I don't care. So that's kind of the way I look right. at it with the eyebrows. I think yes, technically that is a very smart move for continuity to do that. Is it something that? anybody besides a bunch of Star Wars, Uber, like the kind of guy that found McClunky. The only people that are going to find that are the McClunky people. That's what we should start calling them. McClunky people. I, I have made it. That, <laughs> mark it down. We, I have spoken. We rename, can we rename every Star Wars fandom community as the McClunkies? The McClunkies. There you go. I'm writing it down. Yeah. It is now canon. McClunkies. Doesn't matter what your perspective is, nope. you are now a McClunky to yep. us. If you if you're gonna go in a movie and be like, oh wow, well, his eyebrows were only three fourths the, the burned off. If you take a look at the one sequence, shut the hell up. Nobody cares, dude. It's not real. <laughs> Great. How about number eight, Teeb? I don't know what I want to say about number eight. What is number eight? <laughs> What is oh, that? <laughs> well, if you don't know, actually, then it means that it's a little bit more subtle than I thought. Do you remember when Lando was stuck on the slope of the Sarlacc pit, hanging on to a rifle, oh. and Han Solo was trying to prevent the tentacle from pulling him yes, in? Yes, 100%. Of course I remember that. Yeah. So you're saying they changed the dialogue? So yeah, in the original, uh, Lando says, wait, wait, I thought you were blind. And Han Solo says, as only Han Solo can do, it's all right. Trust me. While I've got a gun pointed <laughs> right at you, it's all right. Trust exactly. me. Beautiful little line. Totally in character. Wonderful, right? Right. And so what is it? I think we've talked about this maybe before on the podcast. Maybe you weren't on. I don't remember. So what do they change it to? It's all right. I can see a lot better now. <laughs> like... Again, it's that whole obsession with like making everything completely saccharine and obvious and just 
ironing out all the wrinkles of every character to make them just these faceless automatons that that you know meat bags that move their lips. You know, maybe that's why Rian like, Johnson did that with the giant iron in the Last Jedi. Maybe that was his signal that he was tired of them ironing out all the characters, like explaining. Right, everything. right. No, that makes sense. Number nine might interest you, Teeb, since you are a heterosexual. Um, in The Last Jedi on the Blue, Blu-ray release, uh, if you look carefully while Luke Skywalker is milking the Thalia um, sirens on Octo, you'll find that they've added many more nipples onto those creatures. Okay, well, I actually do know what this is about. This is a tie-in with the iPhone marketing team because they added ah. they added all the, the circles, all the... All the uh, the lenses, so it's oh, actually a three lenses. Yes, yeah. They were gonna have McDonald's toys and everything, but it didn't work out because they couldn't get the lawyers to hold hands and sing and do whatever the hell else the uh-huh. lawyers do. So yeah, that's exactly what it was. They wanted to go ahead and 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 you know represent all the different lenses. They added the different nipples. So if you line up that shot, you can tell your McClunky people this actually, if you line up that shot and you hold your iPhone 11 up to it, you will see what I'm talking about. So it's like, does the Talia siren have like a different nipple depending on the receptacle? So like it's got its nipple that'll shoot it into a nice steady stream into a bottle, a wide angle nipple that'll put it more into like a milking bucket. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you believe all this stuff, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Great. And that takes us actually, Teeb, you know, uh, to our last number 10 here on the top 10 list. And, and you know, I have to apologize off the bat to Link Vox a million. He always asks me whenever we do top 10 lists to do them in a specific order, just like we do on fakingstarwars.net. But I can never remember whether that order is 1 to 10 or 10 to 1. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure I did it wrong. But in any case, this is our final uh, one of the top 10. <laughs> I think you did so, do it wrong. Sorry, Link. <laughs> David Letterman will never hire you. That's for sure. We'll, we'll have to come back and we'll have to have we'll have to let Link edit uh, this episode. And we'll release a special edition of this top 10 list where it says number two is <laughs> exactly yeah. i was just about to say it's like yeah do a special edition to, to fix the numbers right. where i get the numbering right we'll do it in know? orabesh there you go we'll do it in basic yeah <laughs> so what is our number 10 or one or whatever oh well this is about dominic moynihan from lost dominic moynihan dominic moynihan is he a hobbit he is a oh, hobbit. okay i know yes. you're talking about okay yeah, yeah yeah dominic moynihan so this is actually a special edition that has not come out yet of the last jedi is this going to be available on disney plus plus it is it's coming out very soon okay and uh you know disney listens to the fans and because the rise of skywalker was so successful and everyone loved dominic moynihan's character so much they're actually going to go back into the rise of skywalker and in every single scene that has rose tico in it they're actually going to replace her with dominic moynihan's character instead so in the scenes where dominic moynihan is in the scene with rose they're going to have two dominic moynihan's that is brilliant they'll have like bookend dominic moynihan oh well, no no that ha- okay no this is about the, the ah, last, last jedi. jedi so you said rise of skywalker so i got a little confused oh, oh i'm sorry so that character from rise of skywalker was so well liked ah. That they've decided to retcon him back into the special edition of Last Aha, Jedi. Aha, into the Last Jedi. So, like, when Finn goes down into the belly of the Rebel Star Cruiser trying to escape to go find Rey, and he's met with Rose Tico with their little electro um, taser device, it's actually going to be Dominic Moynihan. He's going to, you know, he's going to be there. Same dialogue, you know. Absolutely. I mean, that 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 is just great. 
That's, I mean, that's a great idea because then you're going to have that they're going to be there there could be like a little bit of uh shall we say tension between Poe and what's Dominic's character's name I don't know his character's name but Boromir. it does actually also solve a secondary problem Lucasfilm got into some hot water with the GLBT community the LGBTQ community for um, kind of marginalizing that lesbian kiss at the end like people complained that those weren't really major characters that they were just kind of ah. you know sort of smashing it in there like not really in a meaningful way now, in this case, when Dominic Moynihan kisses Finn at the end of the Last Jedi and says, "We're gonna, we're gonna win by, by, um, you know, protecting what we love or whatever it right. is," um, in this case, so it's we're gonna have that first uh, gay kiss in the Last Jedi. Now, that's now been retconned. Ah, well, I mean, Disney. That doesn't surprise me that Disney is is going ahead and, and you know take that bold move because it's definitely time. And I mean, why have a whole yep. new movie where you would actually have strong gay characters when you can just go back? And get rid of one annoying character, and then make the make the other character gay because that's right. It's a classic twofer. Yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, I don't ever want to see a yeah. Rose Tico spinoff or anything like that because she's a, a very uninteresting character. Yes. So I wait for that with bated breath, and who knows what other changes will await in the future of the special editions of the sequel trilogy. I mean, they haven't even done any uh, se- uh, special editions hardly at all for the prequels. So uh, this is just an endless cycle that's going to continue and continue and continue ad infinitum. And see, this is where I have a problem, because it's like with comic books. I have a friend who collects comic books religiously. And he will get upset. He'll get bent out of shape because there'll be all these different versions of the same book where there's different stories within the same story because it's like, oh, you have to have the this edition and you have to have the that edition to know what the hell is going on in this edition. And it's like, basically, that's what Disney is, is now doing, right? So they're going to appease everybody. So if they go ahead and they... And they retcon last jedi like this they can do that with any of their movies they could do it with mandalorian even they could go back and instead of making baby yoda a baby yoda they could have him be a doug right like maybe the people that i'm hoping they do maybe maybe the people that are like uh you know what about ugly people ugly people need representation in movies too so why why are we going to just have a baby yoda let's put a doug in I mean, you know, ugly people. Let's take out Princess Leia in a Return of the Jedi in Jabba's courtroom scene in her metal bikini and instead put in Roseanne Barr. Okay. It's- I, I mean, yeah, I guess. I don't think it would be as popular. Uh, there's plenty of other actresses that I would like to see in that scene. Uh, Olivia Munn comes to mind, but... Sure, Roseanne Barr works. This could be her triumphant return to the screen, Teeb. It could be. I don't think any fans would get butthurt about that at all. No. No. I mean, everybody knows that the McClunkies are are civil people. (laughs) Great, great. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add about the special editions? A creator needs to have the integrity to stand behind their product when they release it at the time. I've created something myself that I put out to the world, and if all of a sudden I won the lottery and I was able to go in and make all these amazing changes to that product, I wouldn't because... At the time, that's the product that I made with what I had and the people that I had. And do I think there's always room for improvement and everything? Absolutely. But I think it's a better idea to make something new and fresh and exciting and original. And uh, when you have things like getting rid of the guns from the government agents in ET and replacing them with walkie-talkies, and you see government agents pointing walkie-talkies at people like their rifles, 
and pistols, it's ridiculous. And I think that you shouldn't mess with something that doesn't need to be tinkered with. Yeah. I have the opposite perspective. I hope that Lucasfilm goes on tinkering and tinkering and redoing the things that I've already seen that are safe and unoriginal instead of actually pouring any money at all into new creative properties that will stimulate my imagination instead. Well, you're a weak-minded fool. Okay. I'll accept that just this once. I mean, you did win Duel of the Fakes after all. I did. Well, thanks for sticking with us, Teeb, during this specialized, extra tasty, crunchy, crispy, salty, extravaganza episode for bringing in the new year. Um, tell the listeners where they can find us. You can follow Faking Star Wars on Twitter and Instagram at, at Faking Star Wars and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash real faking star wars if you have a question for us use the hashtag fsw radio and we'll read it on the next episode after severely doctoring your question to make it more embarrassing for you you can also get the official faking star wars t-shirts and other great gear at bit.ly slash fsw merch that's bit.ly slash fsw merch and you can follow me on twitter at storm Duper. And you can follow me on Twitter at Teeb Rontor, T-E-E-B-R-O-N-T-R. Currently, I am uh, putting a f- goober fish in your basket, in your bucket, your bucket. In honor of uh, 2020, Teeb, and the special editions, you should change your Twitter handle to B-L-O-W-H-A-R-D. <laughs> me? <laughs> I never get in Twitter wars with celebrities and have to uh, block half of the population. That's not me. No, never. Not you. Never. No. If you like what you hear and want to support what we do, please support our Patreon at patreon.com slash fakingstarwars. Sign up. You can support us fakers financially to keep making the content you love and you get a great reward. Join us for as little as a buck a month. We do have some, uh, you know, fantastic prizes up there, Teeb. So I encourage you to hold all of your coworkers at gunpoint until they subscribe to Patreon.com. I haven't thought about that actually. I, I'm so busy trying to get them to listen to Mando Roundup for you that I should start telling them about the Patreon. You're right. And for all new members who join this year, they will get the personalized shout out on the podcast. That's true. Should we go ahead? Very sexy Should, should treat, we, should we so. give the uh, good old shout-out now? No, 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 no. They have already joined. They don't get a shout-out anymore. Oh, I thought we shout it's them out every only time. only new members. Oh. Well, so we've been we've been giving out shout-outs to people that didn't rate shout-outs before. So we need to, like, <laughs> go... We need to get, like, you know, like, I don't know. What happens? I can't do that math. They're erased from existence until they get another person to be Patreon, I guess. So if we did, like, ten shout-outs for them, they have to get basically... 10 more Patreons to sign up, patrons to sign up, and then that will balance the galaxy. We were giving them away for free last season. God, what is wrong this with This season, it's a it's a much more ruthless uh, much more ruthless vibe and tone, I want. Yeah, this is the Roaring Twenties, man. We're not messing around anymore. So enjoy, I hope you enjoyed right. your shout-outs. Uh, thank you for being our supporters, though. And have you yes. written us a review? And if not, you really should consider giving us a five-star review, maybe 10 stars on iTunes or your platform of uh, choice. If you write us a funny review, we might actually read it on an upcoming episode. And so, where should I actually put my poopy? <laughs> I think you should put it into the VCR case uh, for the Star Wars Special Editions. Take out the tapes. They'll fit very nicely. Somebody got me two pairs of socks that were actually uh, packaged in what looks like the original VHS container for Star Wars. Oh, that's mean. What a tease down. Yeah. I enjoy the socks. Yeah. 
but it was kind of uh, a little a, a little you could put your poopy in your socks do i you? could put my poopy <laughs> in my socks and beat my neighbor's dog with it this is true <laughs> so this is a new thing that we're starting by the way uh every episode i'm writing a random weird line into the uh, exit script that T has to read um and so this is this is his for this week so it's kind of like my punishment for being such a, a little bit, psychopath a little bit. on Twitter. Or your reward for being such a kind and genial person. Sure. As always, stay tuned to FakingStarWars.net for the best quality Star Wars comedy, parody, and satire in the galaxy. Thanks to you and all of our followers for listening, and a special thanks to Mark Austin for being our guest this week. May the foe be with you. See you next time. <laughs>